Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Karma You podcast. How are you today? I hope you're doing well. This is Chloe Brotheridge, your host. I'm a coach, I'm a hypnotherapist, I'm the author of two books, The Anxiety Solution, and my latest book, Brave New Girl, which is all about how to grow your confidence. It's about simple steps to being more you, to speaking up about what's important to you, to overcoming your fears, overcoming your imposter syndrome, and it's full of really practical tools and advice and stories from people like you in there to inspire you to become your most confident self. So check out Brave New Girl if you are interested in that. So today I am interviewing Ben Bidwell, also known as The Naked Professor. And if you wanna find out just how naked, you can check out his Instagram to find out. Ben is someone that I've bumped into a few times at events recently, started to follow him, became really intrigued with his work, really wanted to sit down and find out more about his work and his mindset and his journey because I found it really, really fascinating. So Ben is a purpose and mindset coach. He's also a speaker and a blogger and he's really active on Instagram, spreading such a positive message. So me and Ben discuss his experience of anxiety and Ben gets really, really open and honest in this conversation, I have to say. And it's not something that we often hear from guys and it was really, really refreshing to just for him to be so open and so honest about how he's feeling. And he talked about how his experience of anxiety led him on this path of then training to become a coach, going on a personal development journey, and now being able to help other people with what he's learned. We talk about emotions like sadness and anger and why it's actually okay to feel these feelings, even though we often have this sense that These are negative emotions that we don't wanna feel and often we suppress them and we hide them. But we get into this conversation about how actually admitting to how you're feeling, sharing how you're feeling, allowing yourself to feel sad if that's how you feel is actually okay and that's actually the most healthy thing that we can do. We talk about this topic of toxic masculinity and what that is, how it affects all of us, and why we're actually all victims of it, men too. We also talk about the Hoffman process. So you guys might have seen from my Instagram that a few months ago I did something, a week-long intensive retreat called the Hoffman process. And I found out that actually Ben had done it as well. And I'd never met anyone else that had done this process. And it was quite a transformative process for me and also for him. So we talk about that experience and how it both benefited us. And we also get into why taking off the mask 
is actually the key to our happiness. So many of us are wearing a mask. I really relate to this, having experienced a lot of social anxiety, how we hide ourselves, how we feel ashamed for people to see the real us. And actually it really is taking off that mask that is gonna to lead to us ultimately being as happy as we can be. So I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Just to let you know, my online course, Your Karma Self, is gonna be available next week. It's available to join on the 16th of September, 2019. And it's only available once every six months. It's an online program that gives you the tools to manage your own anxiety, where you also get support from me. You also get peer support. We've got an amazing community doing the course together. Loads of practical tools and strategies to really help you to become that calm person that is inside of you. So keep an eye on your emails if you're on my newsletter or check out my website, karmayou.com on the 16th of September for all the details. So let's get into the interview with Ben Bidwell. This week's episode of the Karma You podcast is sponsored by Pucker Herbs. I'm really excited to share that Pucker have launched a new tea, Peace, an innovative hemp blend to promote calm, which can be enjoyed throughout the day. It has become part of my routine to enjoy in stressful moments or when I want to switch off after a day of work. Even its beautiful packaging has a calming effect when I see it on my shelf. Peace tea truly is nature's antidote to everyday challenges. The ingredients are 100% organic and ethically sourced, which means it's not only great for you, but also the planet. So Peace tea contains ashwagandha, an ingredient I recommend to all my clients. It naturally improves energy and calms the nervous system. Chamomile, one of the most widely used relaxing herbs around the world and hemp leaf, a variety of the cannabis sativa plant species. You've probably heard of the calming effects of CBD, a non-psychoactive component of hemp, and the tea contains CBD plus other calming essential oils from hemp. This blend supports the mind and body's ability to cope with, adapt to, and look beyond daily stresses. Perfect for busy 21st century living. Peace tea is available to buy at Sainsbury's and Tesco's, and I hope you love it as much as I do. Welcome. Ben, thank you so much for joining me. How are you today? Uh, I'm going to give a very honest answer because th this question has changed a lot for me recently. Um, I am I'm, I'm generally good. I am good. But there is a little bit of, of, of sadness in me as well. And I, and I answer that authentically. I don't mean to look for sympathy. But yeah, if you, if you, if you really want to know how I am, that's how I am. I always like it when people answer honestly because we so often just on reflex say, oh yeah, I'm good, I'm fine. Um, maybe I should start every podcast by asking people, how are you really? And actually like get into it straight away. I feel it's the basis of a great conversation. And, yeah. and, I, and I caught myself. I, I was about to say, I'm good, thanks. And then I caught myself. And I, and I, I generally am good, but, it, but there's more to that answer. And for me, it's a huge question. You know, how, yeah, actually, how are you doing? And actually, I'd like, how are you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. How, how are you then, Chloe? Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Um, I am really good, actually, and I can say that honestly. And I've, I'm noticing, because it's August now, and I was reminded that a lot of the times in August I haven't felt that good. And I've been hearing a lot from other people, this is a common thing, August anxiety. And uh. the kind of, someone described it as recently, um, like a Sunday night anxiety, um, the kind of thinking about Monday morning, but for the whole month of August, thinking about autumn. Wow. And I know that that's affected me massively before, and I'm just reflecting on... Yeah, just feeling glad that that's not the case this time. Nice. So I'm actually feeling good. That's but lovely. I don't always feel good. I don't always feel good. I definitely have days and times where I struggle with things as well. Um, I want to ask you more about 
how you are and, and that topic of sadness. Yeah. But before we kind of get into that, can you can you just share a bit about what it is that you do for people that don't know and how you got to where you are today? Yes, um, I'm always a bit scared by that question because I can go off on a massive rant. Yeah, um, I'm going to try and give it sort of fairly sweet and fairly short. Um, so I'm a coach, writer and public speaker is the title I've given myself. But um, I guess fundamentally life really changed for me in the last eight years. I'm, I'm th- just coming up to 38, 38 on sat- Sunday. And uh, for the first 30 years, I was completely shut off. A typical sort of man, if you like. You know, it was it was um, being brave and tough and strong and all that kind of stuff. And I shut out my emotions. And then in the last seven, eight years, it's been a, a, a process of self-exploration and, and learning and growing as a person. And that culminated in me becoming a coach and um, or experiencing change myself and then wanting to help other people. So becoming a coach. And um, with that, I started an Instagram profile a, a couple of years ago now that um, where I really expressed sort of my learnings and my experiences and gave it this pseudonym I guess is that the, like, whatever it is you know his Instagram tagline or, or name um, the naked professor because I wanted to strip away the masks I wanted to bear my soul I wanted to to be vulnerable to 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 really show myself to show up and 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 as I say bear all and um, the naked coach sounded a bit wrong I don't know but the naked professor <laughs> sounded right for me yeah and um, so I just started writing and I use these images of me stripped away bearing, bearing my bearing my soul and um to, to really embody my my message, but also to to captivate attention, to to stand out, you know, to to be something different, and um, empower my my writing. And um, yeah, the last couple of years, it's just been this journey of really entering the space and embodying it more and more. Um, because yeah, things have just come alive through sharing my message. Really, amazing, amazing. What was your journey with um, getting into coaching? Then, did you have coaching yourself? What 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 about that change? Yeah, so I started working with a coach at 30, really, and, and didn't really, oh, I, was say, I didn't really, wasn't intending to work with a coach. I mean, actually, I started working with, with a coach to, to look at an issue I had around sex. That was my that was my cue, and I didn't really know that we were going to work on my mindset. And if I did, I'm not sure I would have done it necessarily, because I didn't know I needed to change my mindset. But in wanting to work with a coach around sex, she, she opened up me and allowed me to start to feel and allowed me to start to be vulnerable and all, all these different expressions and emotions started to let me feel them and show me the, the benefits of them and um, my life changed as a result and I was like wow like I feel so much more alive now than how I did in the first 30 years of my life and uh, if I've gone through that change if I can experience it myself I, I know anyone can and I want to help other people now from my learnings so yeah having worked with a coach and growing myself it was like this feels like my calling now. I'm gonna. I want to. I want to help others. Brilliant. I actually just interviewed yesterday a sex coach, um, and she said this quote: "How you do anything is how you do everything. So if you have problems in one area, it probably is going to manifest itself in in every area. And it's about getting to the root of what's going on. So yeah, that that makes completely a lot exactly. It's exactly what I've learned. I love that quote. I heard that recently myself as well, and I think it's it's so right. You know, it's, for me, it's it's integrity. You know, the integrity, how you do things is how you do everything. Or you, you, if, you, if your integrity is there, you'll always do things from, from an integral place and that will have a common theme. So it's, I, I love that quote. Yeah. Mm. Can you, have you ever experienced um, any mental health issues like anxiety? What's been your experience of that, if any? Well, I mean, going back to what you just said, I, I actually, I think, you know, the, the the challenges showed up for me sexually. 
so I, I struggled to orgasm was how it showed up for me but that wasn't a sex issue really I think that fundamentally was was all conjured in, in my the way I was I guess the way my brain was working or the mm-hmm. way I was interacting with with the messages from my mind blocking out the messages from my sort of within my heart and soul um so yeah I, I think I lived within myself for, for 30 years I think I was trying to be who I thought society wanted me to be and I wasn't ever myself. So I put on a mask, that, that mask of masculinity that I said earlier. You know, I was trying to be strong and brave and tough and win and get the girls and be kind of the man that I thought I, I should be. You know, I grew up in the 80s seeing Rambo and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Terminator and all those kind of fictional figures. And, and that was masculinity for me. They were the idols. They were the men that we were meant to be. And um, the, 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 I guess the antithesis of that was being kind, compassionate and loving. You know, I didn't see that in those guys. Um, uh, so I, I, I tried to embrace all the masculine parts that I saw, strength, bravery, toughness, and, and, and repelled kindness, compassion, and love. And, um, yeah, that, I think, buried my soul. You know, I buried my, my heart and soul, the energy inside of me. And I think when we don't live aligned to our heart and soul, it causes pain. And all this is mental health for me. This is all, all, all part of it. And um, the lifestyle that I was living wasn't serving me within. It was making me tick boxes and it was making my life look shiny. But internally was was emptiness. And I wasn't feeling anything. I was, everything was just fine. You know, a good day was fine. A bad day was fine. It was, not, it was, all, it was just a, a constant life of fineness. It was all fine. And that showed up sexually and I just I stopped feeling. I wasn't feeling. So when it came to sex, kind of the, the heightened emotion or the, the, this, you know, it's meant to be a, an orgasm, I guess, is an expression of euphoria. And um, I wasn't feeling. I wasn't feeling those things. So it just showed up sexually. This is my understanding, my processing of it now. But mm. So um, the work that I did with a coach was about trying to get me to feel. And um, that required me to be vulnerable um, and to, to, to sort of open myself up to failure and rejection and all that kind of stuff and to start experiencing the lows and the highs um, because I'm sure it filtered through into my sex life. Um, with that, um, there was anxiety as well. Um, I think anxiety from, again, um, uh, the sense from my heart and soul, hey, you're not listening to me, you're not hearing me, I really want you to be this person, I want you to live more in tune with, with my messages and I was living in tune with my ego's messages. You know, I was being driven by fear. And that, at times, I, I, I just think my heart and soul had a sense that I wasn't showing up. I wasn't living aligned to it. And when I really lived in those spaces, particularly my, my heart and soul would ache. And, and, and I felt that as anxiety, you know, kind of a block in my throat. Um, when I didn't show up, when I wasn't authentic, when I wasn't me, when I put on a mask, that, that came through as anxiety for me. And I experienced it more in my 20s as I got older. Um, but that, yeah, that was my experience, and I still get that now. I still sometimes there's times when I, 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 you know, I. It's not easy to show up. It requires bravery, and there's times when I, I let my heart soul down, and I don't show up, and and I and I feel that. I feel a sense of anxiety, um, in my throat, or if I don't feel like I've given what I could have given. If I didn't, perhaps if I was lazy, or I didn't, then then I feel anxiety as a result. My body, hey Ben, you could have given more there. Um, so yeah that's a fairly comprehensive thank you so much for sharing that I think so often anxiety is trying to tell us something that something's not right and often we don't listen to that and we soldier on and we yeah drink a lot of booze or 
yeah, just keep that mask on and it's it's like going to get louder and louder until we actually make a change. Um, and is that something that you see a lot in other people, like in your clients, this sense that people are wearing a mask and having to be someone that they're not and that is exhausting, I imagine. Absolutely exhausting. And, and yeah, and I, not just my clients, but I see it commonly in society. Yeah, hugely, I think. And, and for me, a mask comes when we... When we live in tune with our sort of our ego, when we're living in fear, and we're constantly trying to tick boxes or be what what we think we should be, um, that's putting on a mask. When we're living in tune with our heart and soul, that that's freedom. That's kind of that's our truth. That's us. We're kind of liberated to just express express what we feel rather than what we think. So, um, and I think a lot of people live in there in there according to to fear or ego and in their head, and, and not enough of us not enough of us live in our heart and soul. Um, so yeah, any anyone I see living in the in their head, I, I I'm sure they experience anxiety. I'm sure they feel pain within, whether they show it or not. I'm sure they block it off. But yeah, I I, I see it. The more work I do on it, the more the more I understand it. The more I see it in others, and and the more people I see blocking it out, pretending it's not there. Mm, definitely, yeah. And as someone uh, myself who's had a lot of social anxiety, that is a lot about kind of a tightness and like don't let anyone see the real you because they're not going to like what they see so you've got to filter yourself and you've got to try and appear well I had to try and appear perfect so that people wouldn't judge me and it's exhausting you can't connect with people because no one really sees the real you I just that was my experience of that as well all of that totally resonates with me Mm. and it's heavy and it's it's Mm. it's it's kind of the opposite of being in flow isn't it when you're in flow you just you just show up and it just comes out and you feel free and light yeah when you put on a mask that's you know I, I, I really hear what you say that social anxiety is heavy and draining and tiring you know and a lot of my clients say they're tired you know, mm. know you can't you can't outsleep a tired soul you know when you wear that mask and you drag around and you can't be free it's draining and tiring and that's definitely what I experienced yeah totally totally can we talk about sadness because I noticed that you posted something brilliant on your Instagram a few days ago talking about this. I think you had like a ridiculous number of comments, like 500 comments or something, and really interesting conversations. Can, can you share a bit about what, what was going on for you and what that post was about? Yeah. Um, well, this is a really interesting moment for me. Um, I mean, we all know that Instagram is it portrays our best life, you know, and it's natural that we want to show our good moments. It, it, that, that's that's human human behaviour, right? We're naturally going to do that. But um, I I was at a festival. I worked at Wilderness Festival over the weekend, which was an amazing experience, um, and I, and I loved a lot of it. But some little things didn't quite go to plan. It didn't all kind of pan out. And I came home and I felt a bit empty and flat about some of the experiences I'd had. Um, not all of it. A lot, most of it was amazing. It was nothing to do with the festival, but just personally on a social front. You know, some of the relationships that I had there just didn't quite go as I wanted. And um, uh, we left early, and I missed out on a few things, and just came back and felt and just felt tired. You know, and and just sad that I was so excited about this event and had all these ideas about everything it might be, and it just hadn't quite quite panned out. And um, on the Monday, I was kind of processing this, and I just felt really inclined, actually. Do you know what? I feel this emotion, and my natural instinct is not to put it on Instagram. And yet, my message is so much about showing up and, and wanting to, to be your true self, to, to be free, to express who you really are. And that's got to include happiness, sadness, joy, laughter, tears. It's got to include the whole shebang, because it's not all joy and happiness. It's not life. And I felt sad, and I felt this opportunity to be able to share my truth. And a very... 
hopefully a very authentic way, which this is how I feel, um, that was real life. You know, life didn't go exactly to plan for me that weekend. And it's not going to go exactly to plan for me other weekends and other times. And I don't want to be just putting out a one-sided message. I want to share all of me and to be to be vulnerable and, and honest and true. So I, I shared that, yeah, and uh, I felt sad. That was where I was at that day. And um, and it's okay. Like, that that was a key part of my message. It's, it's okay. Life doesn't always go to plan. And if, if it did always go to plan, then all we'd do is raise our expectations. And our, and our, and our hopes and, and, and expectations get higher and higher. And um, invariably, we then have... A ba- like what to many people be an amazing day to us is a bad day because our hopes and expectations are so high now you know we expect the best and this fell short of the best and so that was a bad day it's it's like everyone's gonna have bad days regardless so um so yeah it, I, I just felt overwhelmingly compelled to share that experience and um what i found really interesting is a few things is that society still views sadness as a very negative emotion even though it's completely natural even though we're going to have bad days and also that for me a lot of men in my life who I'm close with didn't know how to react they didn't know how to engage with me they didn't need, know how no, men don't like going to that space mm. they like to just go how's it going yeah good thanks like what, what's going on later and da, 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 da. and men don't know how to react and uh that was an interesting experience for me as well mm. yes yeah, mm. so it was, it was a, I'm so happy I did it um because it's my truth, but just and I have nothing to hide. But um, just that, yeah, I saw so many different interesting parts to it. I don't know if, if any of that resonates yeah, with you. Yeah, no, totally. I'm just thinking about how in the experience of someone that's grieving, you know, people will ask any question other than like, how are you doing about having lost your dad? Or, you know, oh, how are you? Or something like that. And, and maybe not prepared for the answer or... Because we have, yeah, so many taboos around things like grief or sadness or anger, it can be, yeah, people don't know what to say, how to handle it, maybe change the subject, and that can be very kind of hurtful for the person who has kind of shared how they're feeling. But yeah, I just really appreciated the fact that you'd posted that, and I think more people are starting to post more, be more honest about how they're feeling, because otherwise there can be this real sense that everyone else has got their shit together, and we're the only ones that feel horrendous today mm. um oh, the amount of messages i got from people saying thank you yeah really from the bottom of my heart thank you showing that i thought i was on my own or i, I thought i was the only one who felt this way it's really nice to know that everyone goes through that but the, the one actually the, the the one thing and i want to write a post about this as well is that the really important thing for me because i did get a sense some people replied and i got this sense that they, they do live in sadness and sadness is there a, a lot and the important part for me with the message is that I felt sad. I really did. And, and there's still an element of it there. It hasn't all dissipated yet. But underneath that sadness, beneath it, is, is, a, is a, an aliveness, an excitement about my life. And I feel I'm on the right path. And so even though I, I feel sad, I do feel comfortable to sit in that space because it's not a fundamental problem in my life. It's just an experience that I'm having at the moment. And I think that's really important because it's not okay you know, we, we need to try and make changes or work with someone or, or, or try and fundamentally shift something if, we, if we're feeling constantly sad. Like, we shouldn't be in that state all the time. And, I, you know, they're the people we, we need to try and help. Mm-hmm. But if we feel sad sometimes, happy sometimes, that's life. I think having more openness about how we're feeling means that other people are going to feel more open to talk about it. And then maybe they'll be more likely to get help as well because 
we talk about emotions rather than just stuffing them down or going on our phones um, or something like that. What about anger? Because we were talking about this a little bit before we started to uh, record. do you want to, um, can you share a little bit about what we were, what we were talking about just now? Yeah, so anger. So, um, I mean, anger is the same, you know, all emotions. We're going to feel all of them at some point. Now, I, I had an interesting experience recently because I like to think, I'm not, I don't really get angry. You know, I like to think that uh, I do come from a, quite a compassionate place and that even when something angers me, I understand there's behaviour, um, that there's a reason behind it, that, that someone might behave that way and it's, it's not their fault. Um, so... Yeah, I was kind of like, oh, no, I don't really get angry. And I was trying to remember where this conversation happened. But when I had this conversation with someone, they were like, it's important you do experience your anger. And I was like, no, I just don't have it. And then something happened. I got triggered. I got a message from someone that triggered some, and I was like, oh, how can you say that? What are you, what, like, where are you coming from? That that just, that really angers me. And it brought it alive in the conversation. It happened, you know, maybe it happened for a reason. Because I was able to say to the person, the coach, or whoever it was I was speaking with at the time, oh, just had some like that does anger me and um and it, it, it it's natural it's going to happen sometimes anger like sadness joy happiness whatever it is grief you know these these things are all going to happen to us at times things are going to are going to cross our path in, in in different ways um and it, i think the dangerous part just like burying sadness is that we can't bury anger we have to let it but we don't have to act on it in a in a, in a way that won't serve us in a, in a more positive light but we can acknowledge it and we can accept that that yes we're troubled perhaps we can have a conversation a rational conversation where we can explain our anger with with whoever perhaps it came up with and so they at least know how we feel rather than burying it and then when they do something we've still got that anger within and they do something innocuous and we take it out on them because what, like, because we know that underneath they did that other thing that they have no recollection of. And suddenly they're thinking, what the hell's Ben doing? Why is he behaving like that to me? And he did this and the Like, what? You can't overreact like that. And nothing's clear. Mm. So I think that the, the most important thing with all of this stuff, every emotion that we have, is that we recognise it and we elaborate on it and we're able to clear it and, and discuss it. But we live in a society that doesn't want to go there. And that's that's fundamentally what what I think is a big problem. We need to be more accepting of, of everyone's emotions and not judging if someone's sad. Oh my God, you're in a terrible place. This is awful. What can we do? We need to get you out of this place. Da 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 da. Actually, sit with them. You know, let, let's 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 talk this. What's going on? Where are we at? Mm. But we seem to have lost those 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 skills. I feel. Yeah, absolutely. There's a really good book called Maybe It's Not Depression. I think that's what it's called, and it's. Um, talking about how often things like anxiety is a cover emotion for deeper emotions like anger and shame and um, anxiety is our way of like suppressing those feelings and if we can if we can release the anger or, or heal the shame then we're not going to experience that anxiety. Yes. Um, I had a weird experience with um, anger because I was someone else who said I never feel angry up until a couple of years ago and I took I had a course of Chinese medicine herbs from a, a Chinese medicine doctor and after that this anger like came up and I had no idea that Chinese herbs could do something like that but um, I definitely started to connect to my anger a lot more after that mm. which has been only a good thing because when you keep it in you end up accidentally unleashing it on your loved ones if yes. you can process it in a healthy way you can get rid of your anger like when you're on your own you can like punch your pillow or something yeah. rather than like unleashing it on your partner so what did you do with your anger in that moment do you remember um so i do a lot of things like pounding on my bed 
Yes. Like just some good old pounding, <laughs> bit of like screaming into a pillow, that sort of thing, writing. I did um, the Hoffman process, mm. which I know that you've done mm. as well. Yeah. Um, people listening, the Hoffman process is a kind of week-long, intensive retreat where you go to, I don't know, how would you describe it? Feel your feelings, process your childhood, something like that. Definitely both of those. Immerse yourself in your own world, I, I guess, and process and understand more about yourself and why you are how you are. Um, express your emotions. Become more in tune with yourself, fundamentally, I'd say. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's yeah, a lot about getting to know yourself. Yeah. And I've had a lot of therapy in my life. And so I, I went into it thinking... I don't know what I'm going to learn here, guys. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm self-aware. Yeah. But it was like another level of, like, layers being peel, peeled off and, yeah, just doing the work to, to actually process things, to get rid of some some of the rubbish that we keep inside or we've taken on board from our childhoods. Totally. And, and actually, beyond that as well, the, the biggest thing that I took from that experience and similar experiences that I've done, you know, going on retreats, or, is also the sense of connection and the power of vulnerability. And that, that's and I, and that was a huge thing for me because I didn't I didn't go to those spaces in my thir- in my first thirty years, mm-hmm. um, but sitting in a room with twenty other people or whatever it is, and seeing them share from their heart, from their soul, and being vulnerable and and saying something that you had no idea was within them, um, allows you to see them in an entirely different light. I remember on Hoffman, people walking in and and. You know, just you can't help it but be judgmental in some capacity, looking at them, going, not my cup of tea. You know, you're not my kind of person. Who am I actually going to bond with? Who am I going to speak with here? These people look a bit freaky or a bit different, you know. And um, actually on Hoffman, because I'd done enough before, I I, I kind of could catch myself with that judgment and and let it go. But it still would come up. I had to let it go. It wasn't sort of not there at all. And, um, And then suddenly, you know, day one, day two, day three, these people stand in front of you looking as they do with your judgment upon them and then suddenly they share something about their past from from really deep place that they, they, they don't it's hard for them to do it and then when they do suddenly i get to see their heart and soul and i get to see kind of their truth and their their meaning and why they are how they are and why they look how they look even and i get to see them in a whole different capacity and suddenly they're a whole lot more than just how they look and i'm not judging them on their on their appearance anymore i'm really seeing them and when I really saw them, I, I loved what, you know, I, I love that. I, love, I think our heart and souls are always connected. You know, when you see someone's heart and soul, it's beautiful, always, regardless. We can't help but to be drawn to someone mm-hmm. when we see them. And so for me, going through that experience with 20 other people over a week and just seeing them, like their truth, not, not judging them on their appearance, that was a lesson in connection for me, how powerful that is. And I now live in such a space where that's what I want. I want to see... I don't care what you look like. I want to see underneath. I want to see your heart and soul. Show me that. Be vulnerable enough. Be brave enough to let me in and let me see you. And then we can go somewhere. That's that's just so much more of a powerful experience than just having a basic conversation about news, gossip, all that stuff for me. And that's the world that I, I want to live in more now. You know, getting beneath the surface. Who are you? Let me see your heart and soul. Yeah. It's quite intense. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I'm just reflecting on how... Like when I run workshops where I do online courses with people and it's the connections that people make and the sharing and the knowing that they're not alone and yeah, the just the openness that people get the most from and there's so much benefit from hearing someone share 
their story and you feel that it's okay for you to feel how you feel and to share your story as well and it just takes the shame out of it and I know we've had conversations about Brene Brown who talks about the power of vulnerability and how shame can't survive being spoken and when we say it out loud we're witnessed by another human being who is accepting of that the shame can't live in that environment yeah and and that's so important and I think society doesn't realize it Mm-hmm. And we live in shame, and we and we bury it. The, the the number one thing we must do is bury that shame. Don't let anyone know it. As soon as someone knows it, actually, we feel so much lighter. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Can we talk a little bit about masculinity and particularly this term toxic masculinity, which is getting used quite a lot, and it gets I think it gets misconstrued quite a lot as well. Can you explain what what that means and what your work is around that? Yeah. Um, I think it, it is. It's a dangerous term. I think hopefully we're moving away from from the term toxic masculinity. I, I think it's it's still very relevant now, but I think that, that going back to this whole thing of shame, is if you're going to call a man a toxic man or refer to, to this thing toxic masculinity, and people carry shame about perhaps being toxic, it's only, it's, it's not going to help them, and it's only going to lead them more buried in their shame. And they're going to repel it even even further. And I, I, so I really try and focus on the, the positive aspect of kind of what, what men can be, what they're missing out on, rather than punishing them for what some mm. of them might be now for some of us. I mean, I was in that space. You know, that was for 30 years. That I definitely had toxic capabilities or toxic tendencies. Um, and for me, it's this space of, of um, men kind of burying uh, their heart and soul, burying their, their emotions, um, lacking compassion, lacking kindness, trying to be the the, the 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 kind of stereotypical male leader, winning at all costs, not showing any weakness, no pain, um, no vulnerability. I am a man, and this is my place. And you guys will have to work around me on that basis. And that's how I live. And being stuck in that kind of toxic place. And, and, and when we use that toxic phrase, I think it's important to understand that I, I think it's toxic for the people around them. Mm. But also I think it's toxic for themselves as well. Within their heart and soul is going to be hurting. And whilst they might think that they're coming across looking sort of alpha and strong in their in their appearance and the way they're living, and that is a man for them, I think underneath their heart and soul will be hurting. And there'll be mm. there'll be some form of pain or emptiness or however they experience it you know for me it was sexual there was that that side of things um and i think yeah that that that, that is that that's what comes with being toxic it, it, it keeps people at a distance you don't really let anyone see you your truth and um, you're wearing a mask of who you think you should be not actually who you really feel like you are and um and it hurts it hurts the people around you and it hurts you mm-hmm. and um it's really come to light in the last few years i feel and, and um i hope that the, the the movement around it is is a is a push for men to get more connected to their heart and soul to get more connected back to kindness and compassion and and love fundamentally and away from fear and having to be portraying themselves as a, as a, as a stereotypical man that they're taught to be and i think actually that's a really big important part of this is that there's also no blame i don't have any blame on any man who lives in this space because i lived in it for a long time and from my perspective i was just doing what society showed me you know, I was just living that way and I was doing quite a good job of it. You know, there were girls and there were parties and there was winning and there was muscles and there was all that kind of masculinity. And I was ticking a lot of those boxes. And, and um, according to society, well done, Ben. You know, you're, you're really, this is, you're doing really well. I thought I was on the right path. and But inside it hurt. 
Mm. And, that, and that's the point, I think, is that we need to start living more in a place that feels good on the inside than looks good on the outside. Um, and for me, that's about connecting more with your heart and soul and less about your ego that, telling you who you should be. So, yeah, I hope that we can start the space of more men living more in their heart and soul and less in, in their heads. And it's not just men, by the way. I mean, I think it is a whole society thing, but I think men are particularly, women tend to be more connected. Uh, more connected to their heart and soul than, than men. Yeah, I, I think it in terms of toxic masculinity. And firstly, I I would never call someone toxic because no. we're all just human beings doing the best that we can. And if someone is quote unquote toxic, they're they're hurt basically. Yeah. Yes. I think the the term toxic masculinity gets misconstrued that men are toxic, and that's I think it's more about the way society expects men to be, and actually men are victims of toxic man- masculinity they're not the perpetrators of it yes. so yeah i never call anyone toxic no, no i know you do i felt bad when i was saying that as if i was accusing <laughs> no, you of no, saying no, it. you shouldn't fine. say it Chloe, you say it. but no I, I totally hear you it's re- that's really important um you mentioned the ego a couple of times and i've just been reading um a new earth by eckhart tolle have you read uh, that i haven't but it's been recommended you should yeah it's really interesting it's all about the ego and um, well, can you explain what, how do you what, how would you describe the ego? What yes, is that? I think it's a huge question because I think the ego is way more than what most people interpret it as. Most people think the ego is just a bit of them that gets a bit cocky or a bit kind of arrogant or it's all about it's all about winning. But fundamentally, there's a whole there's a much deeper aspect to the ego, and, and the ego, for me, fundamentally, its its job, its role is trying to keep you safe. And one of the ways it does that is that it, it wants you to win. Because when we win, we feel validated. We feel like we're we're lifted on a on a pe- um, whatever the phrase is that's gone for me now. But pedestal, pedestal. That's yeah, the one. Yeah. yeah. So we feel safer, and this dates back to us as growing up as as cave cavemen, cave women. If we were winning, if we seem to be successful, then we're more likely to have a tribe around us, and we're and we're safer. So in this day and age, we still have that that DNA inside of us that wants to be validated, that wants to be on that pedestal. But fundamentally, we, we don't need the tribes around us like we did in those days. We don't need to be constantly validated. Um, we're not at war, but from the neighbouring tribes. We're not, there isn't a constant risk and threat. We're in a very safe community, safer than any time ever before, despite the things that we read in the news and the press. So um, the ego, yeah, comes from this place of fear, where it's kind of constantly trying to keep us safe. And, and safety means things like don't get embarrassed. Don't embarrass yourself. That's ego. Because if we embarrass ourselves, we're scared that are people going to judge us? Are we going to lose our tribe? If, if oh, That was really bad. How embarrassing. No one's going to want to spend time with me now. I'm not going to have anyone around me. I'm not safe from, from, from the other tribes. So our ego is so much more than just just winning and, and all that side that we think of. It. It's, it's fundamentally our ego is our thoughts in our head that, that makes us think. Because all of our thoughts are geared towards keeping us safe. Um, and it will, it will, our thoughts will drive us to behave from a place of fear and from a place of keeping us safe. And, um, yeah, there's a, there's, there's a whole lot more to yeah. it than people understand. When I say you're living in your ego, it's not just that you're, you're, you can be, your ego wants to keep you embarrassed, all that kind mm. of stuff. You know, my mm. ego stops me from dancing. And it's, not, it's because I'm scared and I'm embarrassed. I'm rubbish at dancing and I get judged. So I know I know my ego is still alive because I know I'm not free to dance yet. There's yes. still work to be done. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so interesting. I, through reading Eckhart Tolle's book, I've been really aware of my ego and how it shows up. Like walking down the street and thinking, 
oh, that cyclist shouldn't be on the um, pavement. And this ego often wants to make um, other people wrong and you right or yes. you right and other people wrong. So it's always thinking like, where am I in the social like hierarchy here? Or the ego does things like mind reads and tries, and it's all about trying to be safe as well. Yeah. So mind reads and kind of guesses what other people might be thinking. And it's never right. The m- mind reading is never right. We cannot read people's minds. No. It's a little reminder I need to yeah. remind myself. <laughs> Getting out of your ego, I think, is a huge step to freedom. To really be able to express yourself freely without, you know, removing social anxiety. Mm. It's our ego. It's your ego. When you when you had that, it's your ego saying, "Don't don't embarrass yourself. Don't be yourself. Don't get judged negatively. All that stuff. It's all your ego. Yeah. Your heart and soul doesn't doesn't care about any of that. Just wants to show up, and 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 engage and connect with people, and be seen and express itself and be creative and purposeful and all mm. that stuff. It's none of it cares about judgment. And if we can get into more of that space, I think it's a much more liberating yeah. liberating way to live. Yeah, how do we get into that space? How do we get into that space? <laughs> Eckhart Tolle, apparently, he has no ego. Okay. He's enlightened, yeah. like the Buddha, apparently. Um, and he was really, really depressed. And he woke up one day and it was like he got so depressed that something in his mind just like flipped. And now he's in the present moment all the time. He doesn't have the monkey mind that the rest of us have. And he's just connected to this deep compassion. So mm. definitely something to aim for. <laughs> I can believe it. I can. I think it's possible. I'm really, yeah. you know, I think it's, it's, yeah. it's, I mean, I'm not afraid to say that's what I'm working towards. Mm. You know, mm. I'm no Eckhart Tolle, but I'm trying. Yeah. And I think Same. It's, it's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> At least we're trying. It gives you a chance. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Are there some practical things that you suggest to people listening if they want to connect more with their, their heart and get rid of the mask or be more vulnerable? Yes. Uh, I mean, the first thing that I'd, I'd, I'd say with you, that your heart and soul always comes from a place of kindness and compassion and understanding. So, you know, the moment we, like you said, you, the, 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 those little stories come up in your head about the cyclist and the road or whatever, these people doing wrong, you know, they're wrong and I'm right and all those kind of things. Understand that each time those things come up, they're not coming from a kind, compassionate, empathetic, understanding place that your heart and soul is. They're coming from an ego place trying to make people wrong and you're right because when they're wrong and you feel safer, if you can push other people down, you, 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 you're you safer, you're better. So just understanding that, having awareness, so when those thoughts come in, you can just catch them. Hey, that's my ego interfering. For me, like I, I've drawn up a huge list myself of all the, all the things that's my ego's behaviour and all the things, that the, con, the conflicting things that, that my heart and soul um, see or feel. And... Um, the challenge is, is that often they're opposites, they're polar opposites. So I, I, the way I see life is that we, we're on a path and, and um, you know, our ego is to the left and safety is to the left um, and to the right is our heart and soul and love. And we're on this path and, and we, when things come up, we, once we become aware or conscious of what's our ego and what's our heart and soul, we can decide, you know, are we going right into our heart and soul there or are we going left into our ego and we can become more conscious of it and make more conscious decisions on actually how we behave. Now, we do need to be safe. You know, we've, we've kind of just slagged off our, our ego. And of course, we have to be safe. And there is a danger if we're constantly, for me, turning right into my heart and soul all the time. Then, you know, it's free love and I'm, I'm hugging everyone and everything's great. But I don't have a roof to under, over my head mm. and I'm not safe. Um, you know, I'm at threat from intruders all the time. I don't have any security around me. And so all I'm doing is swapping the problem. So maybe I've, I'm, I'm, I'm loving everyone, but I don't feel safe. And that's an equal, you know, that's no good. So it's 
down this path is it, we've, we've got to make decisions where sometimes we have to go left and we have to be safe you know we need our careers we need to, to earn money money is important in this in this place that we live um but the way I say it is that in the moment I feel we're constantly turning left into our ego, constantly saying safe, and we're not. The balance isn't right. We're not getting into our heart and soul enough. So it's looking to make more heartfelt decisions where we let go of our ego and step more into challenging places because it's often out of our comfort zone. Our ego says it's not safe to go with your heart and soul there. Mm. Um, and um, and and yeah, do things more out of our comfort zone that challenge us, but actually fill up our heart and soul. Can I give an example? Yes, might please. Bring yeah. it to life. So. A couple of months ago, I got an email um, asking me to to, um, to do a talk in prison, in a prison, for, um, from the prison psychotherapist. And, and my immediate reaction, ego, said, absolutely not. No, you're not being paid to do it. It really might not be safe. You know, the, mm. the, who knows that, that experience? That is a tough one, like way out of comfort zone. Um, you've got taught the next day that you need to prep for. So you're losing time on that. That's more. That's a threat because that could embarrass you. All these kind of conversations happening. Do not just reply. No, nah, I'm all right, thanks. And, but I could feel this message from my heart and soul saying, "You're going to have to do this, Ben. You can go and make an impact. What an opportunity to go and express yourself and, and to, to, to connect with people." So I remember having to write this email back, sort of through gritted teeth, saying, "Like, oh, <laughs> thank you so much for the <laughs> opportunity. I'm really glad to, to say I'd love to be there or something along that effect." And that's because I knew. I had to, to connect in that instance that really the threats that my ego are throwing at me weren't really real. They weren't, re- you know, I was going to be all right. And, and either way, I would grow. I was stepping out of my comfort zone. I had the opportunity to make an impact. I could, this is one for my heart and soul. And I remember walking out of that prison and just feeling so alive. My heart and soul just, like, just felt lifted. I felt connected and so proud of myself. Mm. You know, my ego, the, 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 the next benefit of that was that I stepped so far out of my comfort zone Next time I got an invite to talk at something like that, my ego go, no, don't. Then there's a different message saying, shut up, ego. I've done it before. You can't tell me it's yeah. not safe. I've been in a much more challenging place than that. So you can't say that to me anymore. And, and I've grown. I've just expanded yeah. my comfort zone. So that's the kind of example. Sometimes we have to do things that challenge ourselves to, to expand ourselves, to, to liven our, our heart and soul's energy. I love that. That's such a good example. I often share something about um, how I was at a a women's circle like a few months ago and we had to sit in a circle and take it in turns. We had to just decide when we wanted to share. We were sharing about shame. So it was quite a big, heavy topic. And I think everyone was quite nervous. And the, the woman leading the group said, if your heart is racing, that means it's your turn to speak. And actually that really reframed it for me. And now I think, right, if something like gets my heart racing a bit, it could be a sign that actually this is a thing to, to walk towards and there's this part of you that's saying it's scary, but actually it could be something amazing on the other side. So definitely, I love that idea that you just shared. And I love the idea, sorry, I can talk all day about all this stuff as you're, as you're getting, but I love the quote that says, when, um, when you get out of your comfort zone, you realise how uncomfortable it was in the first place. And it's exactly that. You know, when you actually shared, when your heart started racing, oh, stay still, don't go here, don't go here. Actually, when you embrace that space and you just shared what your heart was kind of either scared but also aching to, to, to share was was in there. When mm-hmm. you do share it after, there's so much freedom and liberation and sense of being alive. 
do you know what I mean? And you're like, oh, now this is much more powerful than that safe place I sat mm, in before. Definitely. And so, so many people with anxiety will have experienced, like I did, this sense of um, avoiding everything that scares you to try and stay safe. So if you have social anxiety, just don't go to parties and don't meet new people. Yeah. And it's only when you start to live life in a different way that you realise how rubbish it really was, even though you felt, quote unquote, safe yes. to be in that Safe know, is good, but it doesn't make you feel alive. Mm. And not feeling alive will make you feel anxious. Okay, that's so quotable. That's like something to tweet <laughs> out later. <laughs> um, I also wanted to ask you, because I, I had this question come up a lot at events that I was speaking at, and it's quite often women that come to see me speak. And I had several people asking about their partners and their partners experiencing depression, anxiety, you know, other mental health issues, and how worried they were about the fact that they couldn't acknowledge what was going on, weren't in a place where they could, you know, even consider the possibility of getting help for that. What Do you have any suggestions for people who were in that space of um, wanting to support, you know, a male partner, really, um, with their mental health? It is really challenging. I, I get asked this question a lot and it's it's tough because there's not a simple answer and it's not like, oh, you just need to do this and they'll be fine. Yeah, three steps to yeah, yeah, helping your depressed partner. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we'll be rich if we could come up with it. Um, the reality is is that you can't change someone who doesn't want to change. That's the bad news. The good news is that you can help them and you can open the doors and you, can, you can't push them through the doors, but you can leave the doors open and allow them the possibility. And I think that's the first step is, is just providing the space to, 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 you know, when they when they do show emotions in those moments, to give them the space to not judge them, to not sort of play their their own game back at them and go, oh, what are you what are you doing? You don't you don't like that's not like you, and kind of you know make them feel uncomfortable about it, or even tease them about it, or in, kind of um, empower them that that's not them. Actually, give them that space and sit sit with them in it and and allow them. But also then, this is the hard bit, is, is actually really embodying the message. If you want someone to be something, embody it yourself first. Show them. Show them what, what, what it can be and let them see it in you, how positive that can be and how alive it makes you feel and how positive it is in, in your life. And then they might want some of it. But, um, and it's hard to do. You've got to be the leader in, in that front. But, you know, like vulnerability, let them see your heart. You know, let them let them share from 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 a deep place. Not not from, and this is a massive thing that I, I always come to. But not from a place of, of of being a victim. You know, never being kind of poor me. I need your sympathy. Hey, sit down, husband. I'm going to tell you all this soppy stuff, and you're going to feel really sorry for me because that's heavy for someone. But actually, being vulnerable enough to just own your stuff, own it, and not ask them for any sympathy, but just to let them know this is where you're at. This is how I'm feeling right now, and it's quite challenging. But I'm okay with it. You know, I just want you to know this is this is where I'm at, and I don't need anything from you, but it's 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 how I'm feeling, and to to kind of leave it at that, and to and to own it, empower yourself to own that stuff, mm. but show them, and then allow them to be able to say, God, wow, like I I really appreciated you sharing that because I've got to be honest, I felt sad, or I felt whatever it is, and then the doors are open, they can step into it with you, suddenly you can see each other. So it's hard embodying yourself, but I think it, you can't force someone, you can't make them, but if you can show them and you can show them how it can be done and you can show the positives of it, mm. um, and then they might go on that journey with you. 
I also, I mean, for me, working with it, if you can, like working with a coach is an amazing, no, there's no shame in it. You know, as men, we want to go to the gym, we want to look good, but what about getting our mind functioning well? That's just as important. So I'd remove any shame, encourage them to go to a coach. Retreats, I went on men's retreats, amazing. I actually saw other men, you know, other men being vulnerable and I felt so connected to them, more connected in a week than I have done with some of my friends who I've been friends with for years, which I don't like to say, but it's, it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, uh you know, can men, can you, can those men be brave enough to step into some of those spaces? You know, can you provide the space? Could you buy it to them for them for a Christmas present, birthday present, some surprise and make it a positive experience? I don't know. Every man's different. But if you can get them to go on some of those experiences, it can really open the doors. Um, I'm running a retreat in October that's mostly women. I'd love more men to come and mm. that, for example, mm. and embody it myself. So, yeah, finding ways, getting some listen to podcasts where men speak more vulnerably. Yeah. Yeah. if they can feel connected so there are things but it's hard it's hard yeah thanks so much for sharing about that I think um yeah sometimes the more you try and help someone quote unquote help them um the more resistance that creates if you if you get into telling people what to do people don't want to be told what to do but I love the idea of maybe coaching as opposed to therapy because coaching I think is a bit more it's a bit more of an accessible yeah, it could be like business coaching or help you to be better at your work, which could be a good segue into actually getting to the deeper things that are going on. Totally. And from my perspective, sorry, I feel like I'm going on a No, no. That's um, why you're here to speak. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, I wouldn't have worked with a coach, only my stuff, I wouldn't have worked with a coach if, if it wasn't for sex, but sex gave me an excuse to work with a coach. Well, that's what I'm working on. There's nothing wrong with my mind. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm not in a bad place or nothing's no problems here. It's just the sex I'm trying to sort out, you know, and, and that's that gave me the opportunity and the, and the excuse to, to, to work with someone. But there really doesn't need to be an excuse. And, you know, having been through it now, it's a massively positive experience. To become a better version of yourself is amazing. I always use the analogy and say we we all want to upgrade our mobile phones and get you know that to 10.9 or whatever it is. But we don't want to upgrade our own operating system. We want to leave that at 0.1. And how would your iPhone work if you left it at 0.1? It'd be pretty dated and not functioning at its best. And that's where so many of us are at. There's no shame in that. Like men, no problem. Like, mm. just plug yourself in. Upgrade how your mind works. It's powerful and amazing. That's such a good way of describing it. So good. And yeah, just to share my, my experience, my partner, up until two years ago, we've been together nearly 10 years, I never saw him cry. He never, like, admitted a weakness. He always, like, had to be, like, the strong one, like, taking care of business. And, like, a couple of years ago, he went on a retreat and, like, it completely unlocked this whole thing for him. He like cried in front of me for the first time, which I'd been like for years, like desperate for him. To, I know it sounds mm. weird, but I was like, I really want to see you cry because part of me thinks like you don't have emotions and that's just like weird for me. Mm. Um, so I was so happy to like see him cry. And now he's like given up drinking. He's gone on like this like personal development journey. And I didn't pressure him to do that. He kind of did it himself. You showed him the way. but Yeah, you. I was into a lot of, I was going on retreats and stuff for the first few years. But yeah, it is beautiful to see when... Um, a man starts to like own their feelings and be open I yeah I think it's amazing I don't know many men who haven't had positive experiences and they've actually been vulnerable enough to try yeah they're all like oh wow that was okay you know I get it but it's just most men never even enter the space don't try amazing this has been such an interesting conversation Um, thank you so much for being so open and for um, spreading such an amazing message and I can't wait to see 
where your work goes in the future and, and where you take this and the positive impact that you have. So thank you for oh, thank everything you for you're doing. Me. No, thank you. Thank you. I, I love having these conversations and having the possibility of, of sharing this. So just, yeah, thank you for having me. Can you tell us where people can find out more about you, what you're doing, what projects you're working on? Yeah, I mean, it, most of my stuff is on Instagram. It's The Naked Professor. I have a website as well, but there's too much. <laughs> I can't put everything. So generally, I, everything goes through Instagram. Um, I've, I'm hoping to write a book very soon. I'm finalising my proposal, which I really want to sort of launch into this whole space of masculinity and kind of uncover it in a, in a non-threatening, non-shameful way for men to understand a little bit more about where where our masculinity comes from and, and where perhaps we could become improved versions of ourselves when that one is sound patronising. You got I've, a got a retreat. Retreat. I've got a retreat in October, yeah. Um, that's, and, and you work with people one-on-one, is that I right? Do, yeah, I do one-on-one coaching, yeah. Um, and actually, there's a lot. Of, I do a lot of work with, with women, even though my message is men. You know, the, generally, it's women who are forthcoming. Yeah. But I love to work with more men. And, um, yeah, I just, wanna, I just want to be, I would love to just make an impact. I love, you know, when, when, when people message you to say, you know, you're really, you've really helped my husband or you've really helped me or whatever it is, those are the... I just want I want a better world. I really do. As cheesy as that sounds, I want us all to be. I want to be able to see more people, and I want them to be able to see me and, and not shy away. I want us all to be more connected. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. Thank you so much for speaking to me. Oh, thanks, Chloe. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really hope you've enjoyed it. Come on over to Instagram. Come and let me know what you thought of this episode. I'm at Chloe Brotheridge. And I would love to know, what are you taking from this episode? What's the one insight, takeaway or practical tool that you're going to be implementing into your life? Come and let me know because I would love to support you in that. And please do subscribe to this podcast if you've enjoyed it. If you want to hear about future episodes, you need to be subscribed and they'll get sent straight to your iPhone. And please leave me a review if you have a second. It massively helps to spread the word. And I'm just wishing you a really good week and I hope you'll tune in again. I'm sending you loads of love. So chat to you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness, and they come in five different flavors. They're so good wild berry acai grape pineapple mango lemon and mandarin orange my favorite is the wild berry because i just i just love a berry so if you're like me and you're drinking water all day then try splash refresher it's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.